What a week it's been, man. It's been quite a week, eh? Sure, Monday to Friday, including Saturday, Victory Day. Um, I've had a lot of fun this week. I, I really have enjoyed the classes that have been running this week and just the, 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 the attitude, I think, was one of just such uh, teachability, you know, in all of the classes. And I just want to say, Mokhali and Beatrice, well done on those testimonies. I almost feel like you should be preaching today. You guys were... You guys were just rocking there. Uh, those were excellent, excellent testimonies. Thank you. Um, and as I just want to reiterate what Knox is saying. Please stay for the baptisms, okay? Baptism is meant to be this like public moment where you, you're dedicating your life to Jesus and, and, and for all the world to know, okay? So, so today you're all the world, okay? <laughs> uh, so be there and we'll, we'll gather around the pool outside. And then afterwards, if you feel like you're having a swim, you can have a swim. Just kidding. All right. Um, the last the last four weeks we've we've been doing a series called Knowing God, and we've been talking about the generosity of God, the, the glory of God. We've been talking about the goodness of God, the graciousness of God, and and I hope you've enjoyed that series. It's it's over. Okay. Uh, if you've missed it, uh, the sermons will be up on our website. Uh, but it was a really it was a it was a good good start to the year, I feel. You know, we had a week of prayer and fasting, and then we were journeying through that series, and, and really just setting our eyes on who God is. And I think it was an important moment for us. And um, I would encourage you just to go and soak in some of those messages, because some of them were, they were pretty deep, huh? um, especially this last one, this graciousness one that Bob Koza gave. Just, there was a lot of depth there, which I think we can just draw on. Um, today, I want to kind of just change track for us um, as a church change direction for us. I, um, as, you, as, you, as you know, we've been communicating since last year that, that Trish and I are going on sabbatical soon. And um, yeah, so we, we're actually going on sabbatical at the end of this month. And um, so this is really our, our last month here with you guys before we go. And we're going to be going for six months, okay? What is, what is a sabbatical? A sabbatical is, is something that we, we, we kind of, as the Every Nation family of churches, it's something that we, it's like a culture that we're building in all our churches around the world. And it's where we, we let pastors take, uh, after a number of years, after seven years of service, to take an extended time to, to seek God, to refresh their souls, to get refocused, to get new vision, um, and then come back um, ready to, to lead. And so with Trish and I, it's, it's exactly that, all right? We're, we're going to get some refreshing. We're, we're going to get some time, extended time with God. And, um, and we really, our faith, just so you know, is, is that we're going to get what we need for, for the next seven years, that, that we're going to get some fresh vision from God, and that we're going to come back as better leaders, as, as better pastors, as better teachers, um, and, and, and really able to take, to, to take the church forward to the next season. So, so that's what sabbatical is, and, and we're going on it. And um, so I want to just take this, these next couple of weeks just to get us ready uh, as a church. Um, kind of like I, just, I would like us really to be focused, organized, united, that, that, that when we go, I don't, I don't have to worry about stuff because we all know what we need to do. Amen? <laughs> Yeah, that's okay. So, so UFO, United Focused Organized, okay? That's what, that's what we're going for in the next two weeks. Um, yeah, I'm always doing acronyms. I, it's bad. <laughs> in, in, in two weeks' time, we're going to have Pastor Gareth Stead here, who leads our, uh, our church in Cape Town. He's one of our apostolic leaders. He leads uh, the N1 City Congregation of a good couple thousand people, and he's going to be coming here because he oversees KZN. And he's going to be ordaining our elders in training. So we're going to have an ordination service. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's not going to be next week. It's the following week that he'll be here. And to be honest, I, I feel like it's a significant moment for us as a church. You know, when, when we see uh, in, in the book of Acts that the, the elders getting ordained and set in place in different churches, we see the effect on the church is that the church multiplies, the church grows, the church flourishes, and God
God works through anointed leadership. He works through channels of leadership. He's put leadership structures in place. And so that's why church has to have leadership. It has to have structure. And when we kind of click right with God, there's, there's more anointing that flows in the church. So two weeks' time, we're going to have that ordination service. Uh, we've had a, a, a number of people on our eldership team as elders in training for the last couple of years. We've been journeying through a whole bunch of stuff together as a team. And, and we feel like the time is ready. And we would like to put that team in place before Trish and I go. So, so that, we, so that when, when we go, there, there is an authority structure. There is uh, a covering structure in this church in place, which you guys know about. Okay? So that's what we're going to be doing. And um, we're very expectant about that um, moment. Sorry, this thing. It's just, there we go. All right. Um, to be honest, I also want to just say it's not the, the easiest thing for, for us to be going right now. After all, we, uh, we just got you in this new venue, okay? And um, hold on, it's going to get there, this thing. It's probably just my ears that are funny shaped. That's almost better. Sorry. Embarrassing. Done. Okay. Um, it's not the easiest thing for us to go. I just want to say, we just got into this new venue, and I'm really excited about everything that's happening in the church, and um, I, I'm looking at the calendar for this year, and to be honest, I get a, like an extreme FOMO when I, when I look at some of the amazing... FOMO is fear of missing out. That was for Knox. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> oh, like you knew. Like you knew. You knew that one. <laughs> Um, there, there are some amazing things planned. Um, and I'm just, just to give you a heads up, we'll talk more about it. Um, the, the team will talk more about it once we're gone. But we're going to be hosting in July an evangelism conference here in Durban where we're going to have 50 to 70 evangelists coming from around the country for two, 15 days, for 15 days of solid input. Uh, we're going to have some international speakers coming in that time. And basically, there's going to be all these evangelists coming. They're going to get trained during the day. And then in the afternoon, they're going to go out onto the streets. And they're going to do evangelism on the campuses, in the neighborhoods. And then every night, we're going to have revival crusade here in this auditorium every single night for 15 days, trusting God that the last are going to come and hear the gospel. So, so it's, it's going to be, like, amazing. You're going to hear more about it. Yeah, you can get excited. Come on. Um, and, um, but I have a lot of FOMO. I'm going to not be here when that thing is happening. But, but uh, it's, it's going to be led by our, our church in Johannesburg. They've chosen Durban. They've chose us as the, as the place to host it. And we're just like, wow, we feel highly honored by that. And we feel like it's the right thing for us as a church for the season we're in, in terms of growing our, our church. So, so that's something that we can look forward to. And, um, and I pray that it's something that you, you all get involved in. Um, so th- just next week, I, what I want to do in preparation for the ordination service is I want to talk about leadership and church structure next week. I want to talk about elders. I want to talk about deacons. I want to talk about all of these you know, um, structures that we have in the church and how the church is organized. And I want to talk about biblical leadership and what is biblical leadership and how should it function and um, and so we get it like we get an understanding of what we're journeying towards with the ordination service. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about how you, can you nudge the person next to you and say, that's you and me? That's you and me, okay? How you, all of us, can play a significant role in building God's kingdom and in what we're doing here as a church. And I've entitled this word, it's called Destined to be Great. And I'm talking not about you this morning, but I am talking about you. I'm talking about the church, okay, as a whole. So if you have a Bible, can we go to Isaiah chapter 2? Isaiah chapter 2. Father, as we, we come to your word this morning, we just, yeah, we just, we know your word is alive, Dad. It's full of power. It's active. It's operative. It's energizing. It is effective. And I pray this morning that, Lord, you would, you would take the word this morning and use it to shape us as a church. That, Father, we wouldn't just be a church in name 
or by association, but we would be the church, each and every one of us, Father God, that we would live and move and have our being, Lord, in you, Father God, and live out your purposes in the world as you desire us to. I pray that this word would shape us, Lord, help our understanding and and help our lives, Lord, to come in line with your incredible plan that you have for humanity, Lord, that we would actually be able to play a part in it, that we would play a significant role in it, Lord, that every person here would find their place in what you're doing in the world today. Amen. Um, Isaiah 2, verse 2, it says the following. It says, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days. Can you say latter days? That the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations, say all nations. And all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, He will teach us His ways, and we shall walk in His paths, for out of Zion shall go forth the law, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Amen. This is, um, we're reading from the prophet Isaiah, okay? And Isaiah was an incredible prophet who who saw far into the future. He saw, the, he saw not only to the time of Jesus, but he actually saw to the time of the church as well. And just to kind of give you an understanding of the language and how it works in this passage here, when, it talks about, when the Bible talks about mountains, what it's talking about is areas of authority or spheres of authority and spheres of influence. So when it talks about mountains, it's, for example, you, you could have a government would be a sphere of authority, and a sphere of influence. Media would be a sphere of authority and influence. Education, sciences. So it's talking about all these different, these spheres of influence. And when it's talking about the mountain of the Lord's house, this passage is talking about the, the authority and the influence of God's church in all the other spheres. That's what it's, that's what it's talking about. And, and prophetically, he was looking ahead through time inspired by the Holy Spirit, and he saw a time, a time when, when God's house, the, the church, the, and the people of God would, would be the strongest, when it says they're the highest of the mountains, that it would be a time where it would be the strongest, most uh, area of authority and influence. So it would be the, the area that's influencing society the most. We could look at the world today that we live in, and we would say, Maybe media is, is influencing the most, or maybe education is doing the most, and, or maybe it's government, you know, and there's this battle for what is influencing society the most, but the prophet is looking ahead, and he says, I see a time coming when the church of Jesus Christ will be the most influential. It will be higher than the other mountains. It will be the place of the most authority, and it will be influencing the other areas of society. And... When you look at this, this passage and you see this, you, you see what you see here is a picture of a place where people want to be. Amen? The, you know, in some versions it says, and people will stream to it. Typically, streams are something that flow down mountains. This is, this is, so this is talking about a stream of people going in the opposite direction to the world. This is talking about uh, people desiring to be in the house of God. How many of you went to a church one day when you, were, when you were a kid and you were dragged there by the ear, you know, your mom said, you will come. And you're like, oh, I just want to play Nintendo or I want to be <laughs> playing outside. And you were dragged to church. But, but the prophets saw a time where it would be a place where people would want to be there, where the kids would want to go there, that it would be a place where they would stream up to it. It wouldn't, going against the grain, going against the norm, going against the way other people are living their lives. I don't care. I want to go up to this place. And the people that are going there, the prophets saw, would be a time where every nation would be going there. So it wouldn't just be one ethnic group, which was radical because he was in a time where God was just dealing with one nation one ethnic group called the Jews, all right? 
and, and the nation of Israel. And so he said, there's going to be a time where it's not going to be limited to Israel. There will be people from every tribe, every tongue, every color. The Tswanas are going to be there. The Pedis are going to be there. Amen. The, the Kossas are going to be there. The Zulus maybe will be, I'm just kidding. The Zulus will be there. <laughs> there will even be some white people there. You know what I'm saying, okay? <laughs> but the, the picture that he's looking at was radical. And I, I don't know, if, if I was a prophet Isaiah, I'd be even scared to write these words down because it would be so contrary to, to what, what was at that time of the, in that age where it was just one ethnic group going up to the house of the Lord. So, so he saw a time where the church would be multicultural, ethnic, all different types of ethnicities coming. And the experience, when I re- look at this passage, you'll see the experience that they're getting there is that it would be like he was teaching us himself. It would be like the Lord is actually present. Look at, look at the words there. It says, to the house of the God, because he will teach us his ways. And we shall walk in his paths. The, the idea is that the Lord will be present in that place. That the Lord will be right there and it will be as though the, the Lord were teaching. The Lord will be doing the work. And you know, when I, I look around this morning and I look at all the different cultures and nationalities that we have here and, and our kids desiring to come to church, I, you know, I, I see fulfillment here. I see fulfillment here. And it's not only us, the other churches too, but, but I see this, this is fulfillment. You know, and, and that's important to notice because a lot of people, they, they read this passage of scripture and they look at that, that phrase, the latter days. And they think, well, and there's a lot of debate. Okay, well, when are the latter days? And when will this take place? And is it going to be after Jesus? Or when he comes again, will then we see this thing take place? You want to know my take on the whole debate? Some of you didn't know there was a debate. There is. But you don't really care. <laughs> my take on the debate is, is that we're in those latter days. That this is, this is a word for us right now. This is a prophetic picture of God's heart for his church. And, and when, when we look at this picture, what, the only thing I can say is that God has destined his church to be great. And when I say great, what I mean is a place of influence, a place of authority, an attractive place, a place of power, a place of just influencing other areas. It's, that's, that's what God, his heart is for his church And he released that word, that picture, through the prophet many centuries before so that you and I, post-Calvary, can look at that picture and know God's intention of what he wants to do right here with us right now. That's why it's there for us. And, And the reason why I say it's for now is because look around you. It's happening. You know, you, in many different nations, in many different cities around the world, this scripture is being fulfilled. In, in, in the last 2,000 years, we've seen churches arise and literally transform nations. Literally, like, transform people from pagan and idolatry to people who are living their lives according to the Word of God. Entire nations. And, and you know, unfortunately, some of those nations are, like, kind of slipping back into their paganism and idolatry and that sort of stuff. And, but we need a new generation to arise. You see, I think prophecy is is not just automatic. Just like you, maybe you've had some prophetic words for your life. Have you had some prophetic words for your life? I hope you have. If you haven't, come to BFC and Mukhali will prophesy of you. <laughs> They're not just automatic. They're, what it takes is the, is the prophecy has to land on a, on a person of faith. A person who will receive it, believe it, and labor until they see it. Receive it, believe it, and labor till they see it. If you've received some prophetic words, receive them, believe them, and labor till you see them. And you see, this is what God does, is He throws up a prophetic word for us, okay? And the idea is that He was hoping you and I would sit here this morning and look at that and go, I receive that. I believe that. And I I'm going to labor until I see that here. It takes a community of faith who believe in the prophetic words of God 
and begin to labor them and implement them by faith. And then we start to see this actually take place. And we see it taking place all over the world. This thing is happening. So, God has destined His church to be great, influential, attractive. And, and I really want to say, guys, this is not just the job of the, the pastoral team in the church. But this is, I believe God's heart is that every single person would catch a vision for His house. That every person would see this and then know how they need to labor in order to see that thing fulfilled. I don't believe church is meant to be a place where there is a select professional few, like professional Christians, and then the rest we are supporters (laughs) and fans, (laughs) and we like, and we like what they do, and we, we comment, yes, and we even send emoticons like, Surprised or excited or I don't know about that, but it's but it's not us doing it. It's not us laboring it for it. It's, it's like this 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 call that are doing it. And and so I want to say to every person here this morning, you're here for a reason. You're not here by accident. You're not here. You know, even if you're a first time visitor, I want to say you're you're not here by accident. You you're, you God. There's a reason why you've been put here. There's a reason why God puts you in a spiritual family. And the reason is not so that you can be a supporter. It's not so that you can be a liker or send an emoticon or, or, or even just sow finances to, to get other people to do the work. That, that's not why you're here. You're here because you have a significant role to play in God's vision and God's purpose for His church. You have a significant role. And some of us, you know, we look and we say, well, I can't be a preacher, That's, so then I'll just be the supporter. Listen, the church of Jesus Christ is multifaceted. It's got so many reaches and so many ways and so many ministries and so many things that there, it's designed for every person to find a fit. It's designed for every person to, to, to find a place where they can play a role. Guys, time is short. When it says the latter days, it means the last days. <laughs> We're in the last days right now. The Bible says that Jesus' return is imminent. From creation to Noah was 2,000 years. From Noah to Christ was 2,000 years. From Christ to today is 2,000 years. Every 2,000 years, something important is happening. What's the next important thing on the calendar? The return of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, 2,000 years have gone. They're gone. We're, we're in the latter of the latter days. <laughs> All right, we're, we're in the last part of the last days. And so every one of us need to live in a way that's sober. Every one of us needs to live in a way that's vigilant. Why? Because we only have one life, and soon it will pass, and only what's done for Christ is what will last. Can, I, can we say that again? One life, and soon it will be passed. And only what is done for Christ will last. Christ is coming back for a beautiful, glorious bride, His church. A victorious church. An influential church. A church that is great. A great church. And the question is, what if He came back this morning? What is God doing in the earth today? He's building His church. That's what He's doing. All right, the church is basically the epicenter of everything that God wants to do in the earth. It's like the channel through which he, his kingdom comes to earth. He will do it through the church. He's restricted himself to working through his church. He, he could do it in a thousand different ways, but he said, I will build, not my franchise, <laughs> not my NPO or NGO, I will build my, I will build my church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail away. His, his focus is his church. And he wants his kingdom to come to earth. He taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He wants heaven to come to earth, but he's restricted it that it will go through his church. 
And he's told us how the church will, is designed and how leadership needs to work in the church and all the different elements to make it great. He's, he's done all of that. And then he's given us the, the fivefold ministers, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers so that they can equip the saints, so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. God has done everything. He's given his spirit to the church. He's poured it out on us. He's done everything so that his church can be successful. And if Jesus had to come back today... The question I think he would ask every one of us is, what role did you play in what I was doing? And I I would hate for you to be there on that day and go, well, Lord, I was busy with with building this. And and then he was like, but I was building my church. What what were you doing in in that thing? What What role were you playing in that thing? Was that thing a part of my thing at the end of the day? One life. Soon it will be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. So I'm, I'm saying, guys, we have to be sensible. We have to be smart. A person who's smart is, says, looks at their time and says, you know what? I'm going to live in a way that I invest my time in things that outlast my life. In other words, I'm going to live my time with my eyes on eternity. Eternity is a long time. I don't want to get to heaven one day and like find out like I could have had some more rewards. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could have just had, I could have, I don't know. I don't want to get there and then have this thing called regret. I don't want to get there as the Bible says, as one escaping the fire. You know, there's going to be some, some who just, they just get in. It's like, and whoo, smelling like smoke, you know, just, I mean, I did it, you know, I, I don't want, I don't want that. You know, I, I, I want to. I, I, wanna, I don't want to just make it. I want to I be victorious there. Where, when there's celebration and rewards and everything, I want to play a significant role in what God is doing on the earth. And so here's the challenge. Here's the challenge. Is we all have important, busy things to do. Amen? We have jobs and we have studies and we have families and we have kids and we have all these things which are so important and they are important and they are important to God as well. Okay? But then there's also this other thing that's important. It's called God's kingdom coming to earth. And it's going through this thing called his bride. And so for every single one of us, this is the challenge that, that, we, that we, have to, we have to work through. Is, is how can I honor God in all that I'm doing and all these things that are important. God's called me to marriage. He's called me to parenting. He's called me to study. He's called me and I'm going to do these things. And I'm going to honor him and worship him in all of these things and live a life that's pleasing to him. But how can I also do all of that and play a significant role in God's kingdom? In something that's just beyond my little life. You know, I'm going to try, how can I find a way that where all my labor and all my energy is not just about me, but it's actually beyond me and it's about the kingdom of God and it's about touching other lives and it's about, you know, love and it's about worship and it's about fellowship and it's about making disciples and it's about teaching others and it's that that there is a, there's an otherness, that it's not just a, a selfness. And listen, it's all important, and we can worship God and all of this, but there needs to be some sort of, I'm about others too, that, that my life is, my whole time is not just consumed with me, but, but I'm actually, I'm caring about what's important to Jesus. What's important to Him. Um, I'm glad you asked how you could do that. <laughs> You know, we, we, this is a vision, okay? This is a vision. Um, how many of you have got a vision for your life? Good. Every one of us should have a vision for our life. We, we know what we're going for. Um, how many of you have businesses and you've got a vision for your business? A good few of us, okay? Awesome. How many of you have got a family and you've got a vision for your family? You, you know where it wants to go. Okay. So we, we all understand... I think everybody's hand went up at some point, okay? Some of us twice or three times. We all understand this. That vision is lovely. I, mean, I, lo- I'm, I love vision. Okay, I live in vision. I'm just like, I could, I could just talk. And, you know, I love vision and planning and dreaming, alternate futures. I'm a daydreamer. You know, I, I love this. All right? But, but, I, but God let me marry Trish. <laughs> this amazing woman who... Who, who likes vision too, 
but she doesn't like them just to stay vision. She likes them to actually become reality. Like this needs to, okay, we can't just talk about this all the time now and we got to just dream every day. We actually have to make this thing work, okay? How are we going to take this? And this is what Trish is always asking, all right? How are we going to take this? And her favorite word is, is and practically... <laughs> And the staff said, amen, hey? <laughs> And she's discipled me well over the years, okay? Uh, can you just turn to somebody and say, practically? Practically, okay? <laughs> How? Vision is great, but unless there is a practical expression, it just remains vision. It just remains good talk. Now, if you've got a vision to get fit this year, some muscles. Some of you are being reminded <laughs> of your New Year's resolution. And it's, the, it's February and you haven't yet started on it. Feel the conviction. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You've got a vision to get fit. How many of you know that that will never actually happen unless... You look at your diary, and in your diary you go, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to gym. In this time, in this time, in this time. And you give three hours, whatever it is, to, to getting fit. You, you, that, that vision of that body you're dreaming about, going down to Durban North Beach and running with, or whatever, is never going to happen unless you get practical about it. How many of you know business people that you could have a great vision for your business, but if Monday to Friday, when your business operates, in all of that time, that there is no time given to actually fulfilling that vision, but it's actually going on all the other things. I can tell you now your, bu- your business won't get to that vision. Okay? And this is the thing, is if you showed me your schedule, okay, if you, if, if you came to me and showed me your Sunday to Saturday, weekly schedule, and what you spent your time on, guess what? I could tell you your future. Because your schedule shows your future. What you're investing your time in is who you will become and what you will do with your life. And there's this, 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 this kind of like, I don't know what it is about us as humans, but we, we love vision so much, yet there's like this disconnect, you know, like this when it comes to practical. Like we'll, we'll have this stuff, but, but then in our lives there's no implementation, there's no thing of it actually taking place, and this just then just becomes hope, okay? It doesn't become a statement of faith. And guess what? It's not only true for your life, but it's true for the church of Jesus Christ as well. That's the kids going crazy. So it's not only true for your life, but it's true for the church of Jesus Christ as well. That if this is God's vision, one thing we do know is that it won't happen unless there is some practical implementation of making that thing happen. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Am I speaking sense? I am, okay? We're going somewhere, okay? Hold on, hold on, okay? We're getting somewhere. So what we've established is that God has a vision, okay? Vision remains vision unless we schedule it and diarize it. If we're going to give our lives to anything, one thing we need to give our lives to is God's vision and what He's building in the earth, not just our own vision, Okay? The question is then, how is it possible that every single one of us in this room, okay, back rows included, all the people who are hiding this morning, hoping the pastor won't see you. I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm, we have cameras. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, okay? How is it possible that every single one of us, the kids in the mother's room, everyone, how is it that, that all of us could, could, could schedule this? What, what could we do? To schedule this thing. I have an idea. Thank you for asking. I think it's a good idea. (laughs) That's because I haven't tested it yet on anybody. (laughs) What is this idea? My idea is what I'm going to call the three 
hop initiative. All right? The three hop initiative. Can you look at somebody and say the three what? <laughs> okay, this is the three hop initiative. All right, this is my idea. Okay, because remember, I'm visionary, daydreamer. I like to think, okay, out there. Okay, my, my idea is that if we, every, every one of us here this morning could give in a week three hours of purpose, okay? That's what HOP is. Three hours of purpose. That we, every single one of us take a look at our schedule and look at how could we carve out three hours that would go towards serving God's purpose. Three hours of purpose. Three hours where, where I am I'm, I'm carving it out of my life and all the things I have to do. I'm finding it and I'm separating it and I'm calling it holy and I'm calling it an offering and I'm calling it worship and I'm calling it my gift to God for everything that He's done in my life and I'm separating it from my life and I'm pulling it out and I'm creating the space and in the space, using whatever gift he's given me, whatever talent he's given me, whatever experience I have, I'm going to throw that all into those three hours where I'm serving his purpose in the earth. Hmm? Now somebody said, not bad. Not bad. It's not bad. Eh? It's not a bad idea. So if we're 200 people here this morning, and every single one of us buy into the Three Hop Initiative, we would have 600 hours going towards God's vision for His church, huh? So you might think, well, three hours is too little. Some of us are like, come on, you know, make it six. Should we? I'm just kidding, all right? <laughs> all right? Uh, but, but, but you see the multiplication effect. This is what church is meant to be, okay? If, if, if we could create this space in our schedules, call it sacred holy space, my gift to God space, where I could serve the Lord's purposes... And every single one of us buy into this initiative. 600 hours would go towards God's vision in the earth. And let me tell you something. We would see the greatness that he talks about. Why? Because we wouldn't just be hopers, but we would be people of faith who receive, believe, and labor until we see what God is doing. Why three hours? Well, I, I looked at the average Joe, all right? And I, and, I, and, I, and I noticed that in a week, we have 168 hours in a week. Um, sleep would take up about 56 of those hours. Work, I would say, takes up about 55 hours, somewhere around there, because we work hard and our bosses drive us, right? A normal week is probably about 40 to 48 hours, but I'm, I'm, I'm giving more here, okay? Um, then there's other, you know, of 42 hours, which is basically like three hours, uh, six hours a day, okay? Three hours in the morning, three hours in the evening, which is family, food, chores, I don't know, exercising, getting fit, whatever, this time where you've got outside of work and before you go to sleep, six hours, then we'd have to put in a Sabbath there of about 12 hours, so that's a, it's a full day from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. where it's about rest, it's about refreshing, it's about, you know, coming to church and then soaking in the Lord for the rest of the day and doing things that refresh your soul and reinvigorate you so you're ready for the week ahead. Put about 12 hours of Sabbath in there. The total comes to 165 hours, which means three hours are left. <laughs> Come on, I thought that was good. <laughs> Now, there's none of us who could look at this, okay? None of us could look at this and go, but where am I going to do uh, my exercise? There, it's in other, okay? And there's 42 hours for it. And, but my boss is demanding, well, there's 55 hours, okay? And I need more sleep. Well, then take it from other, okay? And on the Sabbath, you have an afternoon nap as well, and you'll catch up your sleep as well. So, so, so this is, I think, this is the average job, but I think this is reasonable. And well, I found three hours. I found them, okay? So, so I feel like this is actually something that's very doable for all of us. Now, this is just, just an, an idea, okay? This is an initiative I'm throwing out here, the three hop initiative. Um, I think it's possible. I don't think it's burdensome. This could be like one or two nights a week. This could be one or two mornings a week. This, this is something that I think is very reasonable. And 
I know with my idea there's some challenges because I know, I know us as humans. There are some of us who are going to look at this and go, three hours, um, and, then there's some, and, they, and they're going to go and say, well, I'm going to do six. And then we get all proud because we did more than the three hours. And then there are going to be some of us who like only did two that week and then walk around with condemnation. You know, I don't know where you're at this morning. This is just a principle I'm throwing out. It doesn't have to be three, okay? But, 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 but and this is not a rule, but the idea is carve out space. Carve out space. Put in your schedule the thing that's most important to God. Um, and why, why, why do I say we need to do this? Because, hear me now, I think the, the principal weapon that God, oh, sorry, the principal weapon that Satan, the enemy of the church, is leveraging against the church right now is in the area of time. I think, I just, just look at the society we live in. Time is our most valuable commodity. And it's the thing that we have the least of. It seems like, I think his, his strategy is that we would be so burdened by like work and stuff to do that we would have no time for God. I think his strategy would be that we're so distracted by all the cool and exciting things that we could do in our time that we don't have any time left for God. And so when I look, when I look at people today, I see people who are burdened and they don't have time to serve the Lord. And then I see people who are distracted and they're caught up in so many other things, that exciting things, that they don't have time to serve the Lord. And I want to say this, guys. There, there is a spirit at work in our age, but God has given us smarts. Okay, he's given us smarts. If the, if the attack is in the area of time, then, then let's be smart with our time and let's protect it and let's defend it and let's make sure that we don't give in to the spirit of the age, but that we be the church of Jesus Christ in this age, in the midst of it. Amen? So, the Three Harp Initiative, I think it's powerful. That's just me, though. <laughs> all right, three hop initiative. So then you say, okay, wait, all right, okay, I'm getting this thing. Okay, I'm going to schedule this. And then, okay, I'm going to create space. I get what you're going for. I need to do that. I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't have space where it's just God time and it's, I'm giving myself to the purpose of God. The next question is, well, what should I do in those three hours? Huh? That would be the next question. Okay, what, what can I do in those next three hours? Glad, glad you asked again, okay? You, if, if you've noticed on the wall behind you, there, there is those words, reach, disciple, impact. It speaks about our mission as a church, okay? And I think it would be wise that in your three hours, you spend time either reaching, discipling, or impacting, or both, or all, or some, okay? I think if you had to say, okay, my three hours, what am I going to do? I think... Go for reach, disciple, and impact. This is a way that you could play a significant role in God's kingdom. Let me talk about reach first. Isn't that a cool picture? Jesus said this in Matthew 9.37. He said, The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Okay. When we talk about reach, what are we talking about? I'm talking about making space for people who are lost, for people who do not know God, for people who are far from God, or people who are just close and with a bit of help, they could, they could know God. And so in your three hours, I think it would be a wise thing to say, I, where is the harvest in my life? Let me tell you something. There's a harvest in your life, okay? Jesus said there, there is the harvest is plentiful. You might look around and go, no, it's not. Let me tell you something it is. Say, God, give me eyes to see the harvest around my life. It could be your neighbor. It could be the, your colleague at work. It could be even your sibling. And, you, and, and what I would do, all right, if you want to play a significant role in God's kingdom, is take some of your time, your three hop, all right, and, and intentionally spend it with a person who's in that category and, and needs to come to know God. Do a coffee with them on a weekly basis. Ha have them round for dinner on a weekly basis. Spend time getting to know them and understand them. And as the Holy Spirit allows, share the gospel with them. 
and, and, and invite them into church and invite them to your connect group or something like that. But intentionally carve out space for somebody who's lost. Jesus said this, the good shepherd leaves the 99 and goes looking for the one that is lost. And, and the woman who lost her coin, what did she do? She put all her coins aside. She went and she found the coin that was lost. There's a principle. Lost people matter to Jesus. They should matter to us. They should matter to us. We should care about their eternity. We should not be like, oh, we've got enough here for heaven. This is cool. You know, more space. <laughs> when we get there. We should not be like that. The Bible says this, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge. Also. So if it's important to Jesus, it should be important to us. Take your three hop and, and use it to reach somebody. Spend time to reach them. I'm telling you, you'll be investing in something that outlives your life and lasts eternity. Another thing that we're doing as a church this year is we're starting outreaches, regular outreaches, okay? Mac, why don't you just stand up for a moment? The, the husband of TK, the good-looking one that got added because she sang. <laughs> um, Mac is, is leading our outreach um, champions this year. And what that means is we've got campus congregations, and his job is to make sure that in each congregation we have that on a bi-weekly or weekly basis, there are some people who will go out and reach the lost people and do door-to-doors and go drop off some Bibles or, or go make muffins for the block of flats and just go bless people and tell them it's the love of God and invite them to church. Or I don't know what, they're going to come up with some awesome ideas on how they can get into people's lives. But in each congregation, we're going to have points people that, will, that Mac will... That, Mac will kind of appoint, and, and they will kind of help Mac make sure that that happens in each congregation. The points person for us is Benina. Where's Benina? She give her a royal wave. Mother of Azandi over there, okay? So if you want to take your three hop and go knock on a door or go engage somebody somewhere, then chat to them, give them your number, and they'll tell you when those outreaches are taking place. Amen. Okay. Um, what about disciple? Okay, that's reach. What about disciple? David Livingston said the following. He said, If a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? What he was talking about here was when Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, he said, Go make disciples of, come on, DMC class, baptizing them, in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And yo, 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 I will be with you to the end of the day. Oh, my goodness. We all need to do DMC again, okay? But, but it's called the Great Commission. It's where Jesus said, Church, I'm going to put this responsibility in your hands. Don't go make converts. Make disciples, Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. So this Jesus is a king, a great king. He's actually the king of kings. If our king came to us and said, hey man, I'd like you to go to this foreign nation, and what I'd like you to do is X, Y, and Z when you get there, we would all feel honored, right? And David Livingston is saying, if an earthly king gives a commission, we think it's an honor. But when the king of kings does it, we think, oh, it's such a sacrifice. Oh, I'm really going to have to sacrifice my time to make a disciple. You know, we should never think of it like that. It's an honor to make a disciple. Are you still with me? Okay. You're all still here? Good. So what is, what is discipleship? How do you make a disciple? Simply what that picture shows you. Gather people around the Word of God and teach the Word of God. That's what making a disciple is all about. Find people. It can be one person. Okay, one person, it can be sitting with them and doing the Purple Book. Purple Book is a book we sell, okay? And uh, it's, it's a really powerful book that you can sit with somebody one-on-one and you can work through it and you can find out what Jesus has commanded and you can teach the person how to live out what Jesus commanded. It's, it's important, amen? So, and if you're thinking this morning, well, Aish, I don't know if I can do that. 
I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to teach other people the Bible because I'm still trying to learn it myself, then join our DMC class, all right? And we will teach you how to do it. Or find a connect group, join a connect group, and learn from your connect group leader how you can disciple other people. We had a DMC class this week, and I just want to have two testimonies from Dr. Derek and Bongeka. If you guys wouldn't mind coming up here and just giving us a quick, quick one. Come on, Dr. You're up first. Bongeka, are you here? There you are. Come on up, Bongeka. Come on up. Just a quick testimony of what they learned this week. Thank you, Dr. Good morning, church. My name is Derek, and then I feel so honored to stand in front of you. It's a little bit uh, scary, more especially if you're not used to standing in front of people. Um, I just want to uh, share my experience. Uh, I remember yesterday when Pastor Wayne asked me to come and share, and then I was, my, my heart was about to stop. And then I had to pray. I said, God, what am I going to tell people? You know, there should be somebody, you know, that can do this job much better than me. And then uh, I was even talking to God, say, God, you know, I'm just a shy guy. I'm not used to these things. So God uh, said to me, you know, just stick to what you know. And then what you know is a testimony. I remember uh, the, through, throughout the course of the week, you know, the thing that stood out for me, it was the heart for the lost. I remember uh, when I received Christ as the Lord and Savior, to be specific, it was around 1995. Uh, from 95, 96, 97, 98, you know, I was in fire for Christ. I used to evangelize a lot. I used to pray for people. I used to cast out demons, you know, but all these things, when I came to university, the heart for the loss, it just died within me. And then the heart for medicine, it was born in my life. <laughs> you know, uh, I remember uh, 2009, you know, it was clear for me, you know, I, I had a, a, a powerful uh, prophecy, but even early days of my Christianity, I knew that uh, I had a divine calling, you know, to advance the kingdom of God in my field. But the problem is that, uh, you know, I remember at the beginning of this year, God has been speaking to me, you know, strongly about this issue. But the, the main frustration, the main issue, I didn't know how could I do this. That was the main, main, main problem. So, you, you know, the, during the uh, DMC, uh, uh, you know, I was in peace with myself. And then, uh, you know, I knew, and then I was taught how to do it. And then above all, there were people who were more supportive, who were willing to go, you, you, you know, uh, with us. So I knew from my heart that, uh, you know, it's not only my only burden. Uh, it is something that I have to share with somebody else. So my advice is that uh, for those who are still in their comfort seat, those who are willing to, 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 you know, to reach and disciple, and those who feel like they've got divine calling into their lives, I would like to challenge you guys to uh, join DMC. Good morning, church. Um, I'm Bongega Kumete, um, and I completely relate to what, what Derek was speaking about, about um, standing on this platform and just this overwhelming feeling that you get. I much prefer to sing in the background, but not so much to speak. But um, yeah, DMC was really amazing. Um, I've been a Christian for a very long time, but the concept of discipleship and accountability was really a big blur for me, um, especially starting from last year when I started to get into the life of the church and really joined Connect Group. And just I, I was daunted by the concepts of accountability, um, not really comfortable in sharing about 
every aspect of my life and really, but, uh, and really just pouring out and doing life with people. But I got to a place where I started to understand a bit more that it's about building um, relationship. And that's another thing that really stood out for me during uh, the DMC class, that discipleship is basically, in a nutshell, relationship. It is about um, following Christ and building a lifelong and intimate relationship with Christ, going beyond just being a convert and just saying, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I know God, but going, getting to a place where you really become more rooted in your relationship with Christ and then moving from that immature phase of saying it's about me and God and stepping into a, a platform where you're saying, where are other people around me who need Christ as well? Helping other people to follow Christ. And one of the things, um, the quotes that stood out for me during um, DMC was that people, if, if people are to go to hell, they need to go over our bodies before they, our bodies lying on the floor, before they even actually get to hell. We must... We must lay down our lives so that they can also come to know Christ. And for me, that was the biggest thing about DMC, that it just ignited this desire um, for people to know Christ more and to lead people to Christ, people who don't like Christ, people who don't know Christ, and to just say, where are these people? And it just yeah, it ignited that fire in me. And I just want to encourage you that it's more about, it, it is about your relationship with Christ, but it's also about others. It's also about investing that time. Um, and as uh, Pastor Wayne is giving us the tools now to say, how are we going to actually allocate that time to make disciples and to become fishers of men and to also fellowship as disciples together? So, yeah, be encouraged. Sure, we've got some great speakers in this church, yeah? Um, so, so we've got tools to equip you if you want to make disciples, which, you should, which we should all do. Um, another area that I wanted to just highlight this morning, and that's the area of our children's ministry. Um, you know that, that, po- that advert of Women for Change, that women's event that's coming up? One of the young ladies there is Asipe. You guys know Asipe? If you don't, that's her face that's up there, okay? Asipe, oh, sorry, I, th- I thought they were going to do it. Um, oh, okay, you are going to do it. Okay, there you go. Asipe's on your right, okay? She's, she's heading up our, our kids' ministry this year. And guys, just to let you know, we have four age categories that are happening. Every week she's planning lessons for each class. That We've got teachers, we've got rosters. And if, I can't... I don't think there's a better place to make disciples than there. Because um, these guys, as Langer was saying, are going to go way further than us. And if you want to get into this ministry and make a disciple, please find a pair, And she'll put you down on a roster so you'll be there once every two or three, every two weeks. She'll give you the lesson. And all you need to do is come prepared, fired up, full of faith, and impart that seed into those young guys. It's a great area where you can make disciples, Okay. So I'm just highlighting that one for you. Last one, impact. And if the ashes could get communion ready for us, if, that, if you guys wouldn't mind. Thank you, guys. We're going to finish this message with communion. Um, reach, we know what we can do. Disciple, we know what we can do. Impact, what is impact? Impact is about li- leaving a, a, a lasting change in people's lives. And I want to show you that there's, there's some ways that you can make an impact in your three hop. Firstly, the, the ministry that you can make an impact is in our compassion ministry. We have a compassion ministry in this church. Fanele, the other girl in the poster. <laughs> All right. Where is she? Is she here? There she is. Oh, come on. This girl is amazing. This girl is incredible. Stand to your feet. Come on. We just want to honor you this morning. What a powerful woman. Okay. She does so much in this church. She's like in worship, she's on campus, and she heads up compassion ministry. In our compassion ministry, we're collecting clothes, we're collecting food, we're distributing it to different uh, uh, 
organizations within the city, and we partner with iCare just around the corner over here. If you want to say, okay, in my three hub, I, I feel like compassion is where I could serve God and give time to God. You speak to Fanela, and she will help you get connected with iCare or the Dennis Hurley Center or how you can play a role in distributing the clothing and the fooding that, the fooding that we collect. It's time to end. <laughs> Another way that we can make an impact is, um, ushers, if, go for it. Let's, let's start handing it out, as long as you guys can still pay attention. Please take the communion and the bread this morning and just hold on to it. And we're just going to have a moment where we're going to have it together as a family this morning. Can you just take it and, and, and then just pass it on if you don't mind? Another area you can make an impact is in the area of prayer. Okay, we are a church that believes in prayer, and we believe prayer changes everything. So what we're going to be doing as a congregation is we're going to be having three prayer meetings a month. We're going to be praying Thursday evenings. Um, we're going to skip the first Thursday of the month, and then the second, the third, and the fourth is when we're going to have prayer meetings right here in this auditorium. We're going to come, we're going to worship, we're going to press into God for our city, for our government, for the nations, for each other, and we're going to pray on Thursday nights. That's a great way you can make an impact. In the middle Thursday, so, so the first Thursday, no prayer. Second Thursday, prayer here. On the third Thursday of the month, we will be joining all the other churches in the city at Gravel, and having a citywide prayer meeting with other churches, okay, which I'm really excited about. And I want to say, guys, we should carve our time for that. And it's such a powerful moment to come together with the church in Durban and pray for Durban. It's a powerful statement of unity. And the Bible says where there's unity, God commands the blessing, and we want that blessing. Amen? So that's on the third Thursday of the month. And then the fourth Thursday, we'll be back here in the auditorium, and we'll be praying over here. So compassion, prayer. Another way you can make an impact is in our campus ministry. Our, our campus ministry is what we believe God has given to us as a gem, as a precious jewel that we need to look after. And you, I'll, I'll just show you a picture now of our campus team. Guys, if you wouldn't mind just going to the next slide. Um, there. We, we have three campus ministries, Howard College, DUT, and Westville. And what we're doing is we're having evening services on these university campuses. They prob- we're probably going to start, we were hoping to start this Sunday, but they're looking like they're going to start next Sunday, all right, because there's a lot of challenges with getting venues at the moment, university started. But Sunday evenings, these guys are going to be running church services on the campus. They're also going to be running growth plan. They're going to be doing BFC classes one night a week for seven weeks. They're going to be doing DMC classes. And our goal is that we are going to reach thousands of students as a church. We're going to fill them with the Word of God. We're going to get them born again, <laughs> baptized in, the, in water, baptized in the Spirit of God, understanding who they are, what God's called them to do. And by the time they finish university, they're going to go out and make a positive difference in the world. Okay? So this ministry that we have is already reaching a couple hundred students. And these are our champions who are leading them. Eloise is leading the Howard College campus, and working with her is Spiware. We have Lindor at DUT, and working with them is Pumlani. And we have Spore at Westville, and working with them is Mac and Fanele, although Mac is part-time there, okay? And Fanele is full-time there. So the, this is our crew. We have student leadership teams. And you could do this. You could say, you know what, on Sunday evenings, once or twice a month, I'm going to go to these campus services. I'm going to serve these guys. I'm going to get involved in a worship team there. I'm going to get involved in an ushering team there. I'm going to go pray for students. I'm going to go do outreach on the campus and help them. You know, you could go and chat to any one of these guys and say, in my three hop, which is going to be a Tuesday night, I would like to be used on the university campus. Could you get me... 10 students, and I will take them through the Purple Book. And let me tell you something. They would be so happy that you volunteered to do that. They would be like, I've got 20 students, but I'll give you 10, okay? Because their hands are so full with all the students that we have. 
But this is a wonderful way that you can go and impact the next generation. And who knows who could come to your group? It could be the next president. The next CEO could be, and you, you could have the opportunity to disciple them and teach them the Word of God. And then 20, 10, 20 years later, you watch them on TV living out their life for God. How much joy could that be? Okay? So that's another way you can make an, make an impact. Serve on their growth plans or services. Um, but let's conclude this morning. All right? Can we stand to our feet? Have we got our communion this morning? DUT is actually happening tonight. So we're waiting for Westville and Howard to get up and running. But I want us to take communion today because um, this is the first Sunday of the month. But, but I feel like this message needs a response. It needs a holy moment before God. And I don't think there's a better way to have a holy moment before God when we actually have communion together as a family. The, bo- the, the bread symbolizes the body of Jesus that was broken for us. The cup symbolizes his blood that washes away our sins. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Okay? This morning, I'd like us to do it in remembrance of his vision for us. Okay? When he was on that cross, he died so that he could give birth to the church. Okay? So he could give birth to the church. And his vision on the cross was that his church would be the highest of the mountains. The most influential. That it would be great. That it would be attractive. It would be powerful. People would stream there. They would want to go there. And he died so that you could have eternal life. I want to ask, what are you going to do so that he can have his dream for his church? What are you going to do with your three hop? Next slide, please, A.V. This is how I would send, spend my three hop. Um, oh, sorry. Almost there. That's the one. And then the next slide. Okay. I, I, would, I would look at my month and I'd say three hours a week. This is kind of what I would do. I'd go to the prayer meeting and do a one-on-one with somebody in week two. I'd have a connect group in week three. And then in week four, I'd go on one of the outreaches, and then I'd definitely go to one of the campus services. That's how I would spend my three hours each week for the Lord. That's if, if I wasn't a pastor and I was just a normal working person and I was just responding myself to this message, that's what I would do. What would you do? What would you do for Jesus? How would you spend those three hours? Can you carve out that time for him? I want us to take communion this morning. And I want you to think about your three hop, all right? Your three hours of purpose. And if you can this morning, dedicate your life to it. Remember, this symbolizes his dedication to us. This could symbolize our dedication to him.